Uh, maybe you could just let our viewers and audiences know what you do, what keeps you busy. Uh, aside from a regular job away from the conspiracy truth movement, um, you'll find me quite active on Twitter, uh, under Charlotte MUK, um, been big, well, active properly since early 2020, calling everything out, um, and I pop up on some podcasts, the podcast now and then. So would you say, so you're actually um, part or proponent of the, the truth conspiracy movement? Yeah, I mean, look, it's very fractured at the moment, so I'm uh, unsure as to whether I want to be labelled as that. But yeah, I mean, um, I think 2016, I first started uh, questioning things and uh, listening and watching and reading uh, different things by different people that weren't on the mainstream uh, media. And I think from then, um, I just wanted to tell everybody all about it and uh, get people to start asking questions themselves. Okay, well, you sound like you spend about as much on you know time on social media as I do. So no doubt you would have seen the buzz leading up to the dispatches program. There was a lot of speculation about who was going to be featured, who would be the subject. A lot of names thrown about. Uh, it was uh, soon figured out it was Russell Brand, and we got a Times article outlining the main accusations that preceded the documentary. I'm assuming you sat down and watched it with the rest of the country. Yeah, I watched it. I must admit, I was part of the spe speculators uh, leading up to it, which is probably what they want, really. Um, and, I, and I wasn't surprised it was him. And I, I guess my, my thoughts on that were that, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, when we knew him on our, our TV screens and the character he portrayed and all that kind of thing, if the, if the documentary had come out then, you know, we wouldn't be as divided as, uh, in, in our uh, opinions on whether it's true or not. Why, why do you think we're more divided about it now then, coming out in 2023? I mean, it has surprised me um, that some people are just very quick to call him a hero and, you know, it's all... Uh, it's all to be, from, to be taken down due to him speaking out about the establishment. And I guess part of uh, me learning things about how the world worked a few years ago was that there are some shady characters um, that uh, uh, do some shady deeds um, and they get elevated into a certain position. Um, I mean, look back at his relationship with marriage to Katy Perry. Um, a lot of things I've seen back, back in the day was, you know, it's, it's her handler more than anything else. So I watched um, a clip yesterday of a, a video I've not seen before, the one on red carpet, and uh, she was, they were get, both getting interviewed and and uh, she got quite giddy, let's put it that way, and he visibly like told her to shut up um, and even held up a little pendant. Rebecca, yeah, thanks for joining us, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, and then she did shut up and she, and she all changed. So, yeah, there's a, a murky world and I'm pretty sure he's part of it. How much can we learn from those historical clips? Because you, you mentioned Katy Perry there, who's an ex-wife. She's actually gone on record and outright described him as controlling. And she's alluded to information she has that uh, could be quite incriminating, uh, not necessarily in a, a legal aspect, but certainly would have a, uh, an impact on his reputation that she's kind of holding back for a rainy day, I think she said. And for me, it's, it's difficult to wade through this because a lot of this seems to be potential red flags. Uh, mm -hmm. Much of it seems to be like really laddish, boorish, shock jock jokes, which is basically what he was famous for. And basically, right or wrong, people didn't react uh, as kind of... Um, uh, 
strongly to in the sort of pre me too movement so mm. i mean how much can we glean from these historic clips? yeah i mean th that makes you think as well you know that all these names that were getting brought to the <clears throat> forefront of the me too movement in inverted commas and his name i don't recall being banded about at all so yeah i mean um i would be very interested to hear what she has to say i do recall at the time probably just when i was on the cusp of still being a celebrity magazine reader for my sins uh that he explained the reason he left her was because uh it couldn't stand the vacuous lifestyle that she, she led um which i mean you can imagine, imagine that's the case too can't you but yeah there's certainly some questionable things about what she had done in the past and uh, you know certain music videos that emulated uh, I think one called Bon Appetit where she was led um, on a dining table and people were eating into her and that was very much um, in in a <clears throat> akin to the Marina Abramovich cake uh, party that she had do you remember that you know about that I will be upfront and open open about my very limited knowledge of Katy Perry's career, <laughs> unfortunately, but I'll take your word for it. But uh, just like to welcome Rebecca as well. Rebecca, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting your opinions on this. Maybe you could just let us know uh, what it is you do before we delve into it. Hi, um, my name is Rebecca Zong. Thank you for having me. And I am an attorney by trade, but I'm a globally recognized narcissist negotiation expert. I have a pretty big YouTube channel. I'm the best-selling author of the upcoming book, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win, which is actually just about to drop next week, which people can check out at slaythebully.com. It's already hit number one on Amazon, but it's about to drop next Congratulations. week. Congratulations. Yeah. So are you based yeah. in the States? Based in the United States, Los Angeles. So in LA, and Russell Brand was a resident there for a while, thanks to his uh, relationship with Katy Perry, I believe, and he, he obviously starred in a few uh, big Hollywood movies. I mean, how how aware are, Pete, are the American public of Russell Brand as a personality, as a celebrity, as, as a famous person? Oh, absolutely. Very, very familiar with who he is. I mean, he was obviously in a lot of different movies. He's got a pretty big podcast now. He's a couple of best-selling books. I mean, definitely everybody in the public knows who he is, for sure. Did you manage to get access to the Dispatches documentary? I know it's a UK production, but were you able to access that stateside and watch it? I don't, I'm not familiar with that, no. Okay, so that this is the ex expository documentary about Russell Brand. Obviously, there was a Times article to accompany that. It was a joint uh, adventure. Uh, so, I mean, it, your realm of expertise is, is narcissism and I suppose the telltale signs of that. And I suppose people are really keen to hear what your sort of appraisal of Russell Brand is on that front. Would it be fair to describe him uh, as a narcissist and, and what kind of things would give that away so? So, you know, when you look at narcissism, what a narcissist, I like to define a narcissist in lay person's terms. You know, obviously there's the DSM-5, which is what mental health practitioners use to determine narcissism. And I, when I teach people how to negotiate with narcissists, I, I come at it from a different point of view because I'm looking at it from a leverage, from a strategy point of view. So what I, the way I like to define it is more of a layperson's point of view. And this is a person who has no feeling, and I like to emphasize the word feeling, no feeling of value from uh, internally. So they have to get all of their feeling of value from external sources. And it is a legitimate disorder. So if you look at it from, and, and it is a sliding scale, it's, it's 
it's a scope, you know? So if at, at the end of the scale is narcissistic personality disorder, all of us probably have some traits or tendencies of it, right? But as you get further and further down the spectrum, you have more and more of those traits and tendencies. But the way I like to define it is this person is doing everything they can to fill this black hole, this void at all times. And it's never going to get filled. It's never going to get filled. So they suck all of everything they can called narcissistic supply to try to fill it. And you might want to fill it too. And so you're left feeling totally and completely empty. And yet they're still starving. They're still needing more, more, more. And so it comes in the form of what I call diamond level supply, which are how things like how they look in the world, their image. So it's, it's the big cars, it's the celebrity, it's the lots of women, it's the money, it's all of that stuff. And then what I call coal level supply, which is like the dark underbelly of narcissistic supply, which is how they manipulate people, control people, treat people poorly. They also feed their ego from that too. But it's a person who at their core actually has a deep sense of shame, a deep sense of pain. And that's why they're trying to do this all the time. And that's why they can't feel anything about you it, and have any empathy for other people because all they can think about is, is themselves. And so it's scarcity to the utmost extreme. And, it, you know, it's this constant need and cycle for trying to fill this void. Okay, Rebecca, there's a lot to go off there. So thank you for that very expansive definition. And I'll, I'll pick your brains in, in a little while about how that might pertain to Russell Brand or some of his behavior for sure. But Charlotte, there's something interesting you said at the start of this uh, this exchange that you were sort of in uh, line with the sort of conspiracy, uh, conspiratory <laughs> truth. Now, I've seen a lot from that contingent of the internet shall we say and the, the consensus appears to be that like you say russell russell brand's a hero and this is one big smear job because he's telling the truth about the establishment and represents some sort of threat to either mainstream media the world economic forum the new world Order. it depends who you speak to really i suppose but i'm getting the impression that's not your viewpoint so what's what's gone on here to make you a sort of heretic to this truth or conspiracy <laughs> movement that you seem uh, aligned with? Um, I guess, I mean, I've never really trusted him anyway. Um, I, I find him very unwatchable, always have. Um, don't find him attractive, you know, a lot, a lot of women have thrown, uh, thrown themselves over, at him over the years. Um, and I've just found him, uh, I, I find the way that he's been elevated to this position. And let's not forget, he had 6.6 .6 million subscribers on YouTube. First of all, being allowed to talk about what he's been talking about is uh, a bit confusing uh, when I know people who were very low level uh, follower accounts uh, saying very similar um, you know, being closed down, having to reopen another one and start again and that kind of thing. That's um, lots and lots of people that I know that's happened to. So I found that suspicious. I guess as well, back to what I was saying about him being uh, <clears throat> in the club, so to speak. Uh, and I guess it goes to you as well, Rebecca, because if, if this guy is a narcissist with this past, uh, which it was, you know, it was a, a known sex addict. That was the headline, wasn't it, uh, for all that time? 
is he actually a reformed character who's wanting justice for the world and you know i, I believe he's married now with a kid on the way and a couple of kids he's, he had like a, a a festival a few weeks ago which was all about you know how's quite new agey i guess um and so i'm just trying to work out whether or not you know is still one of them so to speak and this is being allowed to happen a lot of people are saying it's to bring you know to silence other people who want to speak out against the system about against big pharma you name it or is this just a genuine attack um and you know uh from channel four and the times newspaper you take a run at that rebecca if you want i think that when people are in the throes of addiction, they definitely show traits of narcissism. There's no doubt about that. He said he was a sex addict. He admitted that he was a drug addict. And when you are in active addiction, they, you are definitely narcissistic. I don't know if there's any other types of overlay of, of, uh, mental health issues. I don't, you know, I'm not sure, but if there were other types of mental health issues there, then that could also present a problem, you know? So I think what's more concerning is, and, and who knows what his memory is of that, you know, but, um, and, and the more concerning thing is that the attacks that go on, to the accusers now and and the you know what i call um darbo which is deny attack reverse victim offender and i don't know if uh, anybody here if if you guys are familiar with that term but it's the number one way that narcissists avoid and evade taking responsibility for their actions he says hey i was horrible during those years he freely admits all of that but he doesn't want to take responsibility for this these actions and that is what i think is more concerning he's saying there's just an absolutely no possible way that any of this took took place i don't know that that's necessarily true so you know what how narcissists evade responsibility is they deny that it took place they then turn around, they attack the accuser and they reverse the fact on, the, on them. And then they make it out like they're the victim, like they're the ones who are being victimized. And then they make so much noise around it and they make it, they, they then end up smearing the person who's the victim, like who's the action, make it look like they're the offender. As if then I, you know, I'm not saying, anything about this or whatever but you know who in their right mind would want to come forward and have all of this on them any kind of accuser i mean they end up being persecuted by the press you know and, and it, it's a horrible situation for them so you know the fact that they turn around and act like they're being victimized and smear these these women is i think you know absolutely unconscionable and and that's the number one way that narcissists 
used to avoid accountability. And, you know, so I think, I, I, I don't know what the, the, the what's going to end up coming out here. I don't know if he's guilty or not, but I don't like when, when celebrities use their celebrity to turn around and, and then go ahead and smear accusers. And that, that is what I end up having a problem with, especially when it comes to women, especially when it comes to women, because I think that it, when, if it were the other way around, it wouldn't happen that way. All right, that's that's a fair point for sure, Charlotte. I just want to take us back to conspiracy town again, if that's okay. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the idea from many is that Russell Brand is is probably most, uh, if this is a conspiracy to silence him, because of his output on Big Pharma. Now, I'm going to say something deeply unpopular in the chat now, and that's that I don't think he's saying anything new or interesting about Big Pharma. We've known for the longest time Big Pharma's evil. They put profits before health and, and people. I think uh, Ben Goldacre's book, Big Pharma, I remember reading that, oh, must have been over 10 years ago. And that kind of output was always a product of the progressive mainstream left. It was almost for people who were pushing this idea of socialized medicine for the people and uh, anti-capitalist for sure. Uh, and now Brand is kind of regurgitating a lot of these tropes in this sort of COVID era. People who are not familiar with this argument before are sort of seeing him as some sort of threat, some sort of truth teller on this issue that Big Pharma would do well to silence. And it just feels like anyone else that's already made these points ad nauseum before he has, by a much larger platforms and means, haven't kind of faced a similar fate. So do you think that that conspiracy kind of stacks up in light of that? Yeah, I do. I definitely do. I see that side of it. Um... I mean, I also, like so many people saying it's a distraction and, and uh, it annoys me when that happens. But I must admit, like yesterday, um, Rebecca, you probably don't know, but in Britain, uh, we passed the online safety bill, which was previously called the online harms bill. And there's been a lot of uh, negative uh, opinions from the, the UK public about this and what it, what it could mean. Um, and Stephen, I, I was thinking about the Nicola Bully situation a few few months ago where it was just online speculation due to the reporting of something. And I, I, in a conspiracy mind, is this kind of related to that as well? You know, like everyone, everybody's talking about it on, online, whether you uh, agree with him or not. Um, so that's kind of my perspective on, on things uh, at the moment. Sorry, just to clarify, is the, is the implication there sort of this might be completely constructed just to distract us from larger news or people? Uh, that's, to... what, that's not potentially, that's not particularly my opinion, but that's what a lot of people, I did a Twitter space last night and <clears throat> there was a, a couple of hundred people in there and a lot of people think that there's been a lot of things going on in with the UN in New York and uh the sustainable goals for Agenda 2030. And isn't so it, isn't it just of... more likely there's, a, there's always a lot of things going on on the, on the global I, that, I think state. so, yeah. I think okay. so, yeah. Rebecca, so I keep trying to push this, I think, and uh, hmm. I don't know if you're qualified to, to sort of diagnose or give any definitive answer one way or the other, but people, are, I think, would really like to know whether just by obse observing certain behaviours from Russell Brand, the way he operates, the things he said, whether it could be fair to attribute the label narcissist to him? I mean, I think that he himself would have said that he was a narcissist, you know, in his heyday. I mean, I, I don't think that he actually even denies that. I think that he pretty much 
has said that without actually saying that. You know, I think what he wants the public to believe is that he was a hedonistic drug addict, whatever he was at one point. And I think he wants the public to believe that now he is a family man who has two little children and that he has completely changed. So I, I, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I think that in general, that most of the time, if somebody is a true narcissist, they don't really change. I think that they can get better at hiding their, their traits. I think that they can get better at looking more charming. Remember, narcissists are extremely charming. They're very charismatic. They're very manipulative people. I'm not going to say anything about him personally because I don't know him. But I can tell you that in general, narcissists are extremely charming, charismatic, manipulative people. They're very good at doing what they do. And so I think that at the time, you know, he felt extremely, um, he felt that he was entitled. And narcissists feel very entitled. They don't have boundaries. They, he, he took full advantage of everything, you know, if you look at the, the, the deadly sins of narcissism, it's being proud and openly shameless, not emotionally bound by the needs of wishes of others. They distort everything to filter through their lens. They're arrogant. They, you know, they exploit people. They use people. They don't have boundaries. He had every single characteristic of being a narcissist. So whether he continues to have that now, I'm not going to say. But I think that um, it is very difficult for a person to completely change. That is what I'm going to say. All right. Well, this is a question for both of you, and I'll start with Charlotte. The people online have been making a lot of assumptions uh, and conclusions based on the fact that these female accusers chose the medium of the press to make these accusations rather than take it to the police and go to the legal system. Is there anything that people are fair to read into that at all? Or can you understand the reasons why these women would rather choose that avenue? Um, I'm still kind of on the fence as to what you know what I, what I believe's gone on here. Um, I can understand that money would come into it if they were offered a offered a sum, and they just you know all the, all them years ago when it happened, they just decided to keep quiet. You know, a lot of uh, rape cases are unreported, as we know, um, and some get tripped out of court, and I think it's quite a high percentage um, where the man doesn't get um, done for it, so to speak. And so there's a lot of people saying, "Why now? You know, this was so long ago." did happen um but yeah i think money may come into it rebecca can you read anything into the the particulars in terms of women the women in this case going to the press rather than the police i i think that maybe sometimes they who knows what their motivations are i mean who knows maybe they were afraid they weren't going to be believed maybe they were uh concerned about you know I, I think who knows what their motivations are. I mean, I think that sometimes they get worried about not uh, 
the police not taking action because of, of certain things happening. And, you know, and I do want to say, like I said at the beginning, that addicts who are active do have more traits of narcissism than when they are sober and they're in recovery and they are working the 12 steps and they are going through, um, th through the therapy that they need to go through. So who knows with him? But I think that, you know, when a, an accuser steps forward and puts themselves, especially when it's several at a time, and puts themselves into a position like this, it's so difficult, especially for women, to put themselves in these positions where they're they're going to be persecuted. You know, it's it's an extremely difficult emotional position for them to put themselves in. And and to say that they're doing it all just for money, I think would be too easy. That's a good point. And keeping on this topic of money, um, Charlotte, uh, you would have no doubt seen the decision by YouTube to remove Russell Brand's ability to monetize his, his videos via ad revenue. Do you think that's a fair decision to restrict his ability to earn on the platform due to these allegations that haven't gone through the courts and, and maybe never will? I, I don't think it's fair based on that at all. However, back to my earlier point of him being allowed to be on that platform with everything he was saying anyway, I'm surprised it didn't happen a long, long time before that, um, if it was all genuine, you know. I, and also, I, I do believe that uh, it struck a deal with the platform Rumble um, a long time before that too, so that's in main, that was in main focus for a while. So, um, no, I don't think it's fair. I don't think it's fair that the BBC have also taken down lots of uh, footage as well, um whilst there's been no real evidence yeah that is interesting it's almost like a memory holding isn't it from the from yeah. the media you know from bbc specifically is there an aspect of all this that really in a way obviously is will harm his reputation forever but may in, in the long run um help him monetarily if it doesn't go to court i mean his shtick has always been i am bringing the truth to the establishment and in his official statement before the panorama sorry the dispatches uh, documentary rather he was already planting that seed of see look what happens when i get too close to the truth this is what they do is there an aspect of this now where he can turn around to his audience and say look i was right all along and, and figure out how to keep that audience i mean i suppose in long question short is this going to have any effect on his loyal audience at all are they going to still maintain that he's some hero targeted by the big state he he's got a cult. It's quite it's quite clear that that's the case, especially with those who are so adamant that it is uh, should be in the clear. Um, and I'm pretty sure if you set up a crowdfunding or uh, whatever the crowdjustice.com, um, it'll get quite a lot of donations. So I don't think I've got anything to worry about in that in that arena. Uh, there's a great question for you here, touching back on what Charlotte just said. Actually, Rebecca, do you believe Russell Brand has a cult leader personality? I think all people who have that sort of celebrity status where people are, are obsessed with a fan like that has the potential to have that sort of cult leader personality where people are swayed and they want, they're looking for that magnetic personality to just follow and, and have, and 
and and they want to to believe in that person i think there's always that that danger all right shell and i think you're only with us till uh half seven today so thank you for joining us maybe in the in a couple of minutes now you're very welcome maybe in the couple of minutes you've got left you can just give us your final thoughts on the whole russell brand affair <laughs> and maybe point people towards where they can find more of your content Okay, cool, yeah. Um, I, I think it's just a case of what, watch this space. The, the story is very, very new. I'm sure I'm going to get more and more people coming out of the woodwork. Um, yeah, it's going to be the story of the year if it isn't already. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Charlotte Emma UK. I'm usually causing mischief over there. So, bye, everyone. <laughs> nice to talk to you. Thank you. See you later. Take care. And we're fortunate enough to have Rebecca remain with us. Um, we're going to bring in uh, two more speakers. Hello, Charlie. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Hello. Good evening. Good evening. And James, good to see you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Good evening. Good evening. Let's let's start with you, actually, James. So I read your um, excellent substack you just released, and it kind of really hammers on the, this sort of subtitle of the Russell Brand Dispatches uh, expository documentary that was you know in plain sight and you really point out and with reference to some of your own historical writing on brand that he was essentially a bit of a creep and the kind of allegations we're hearing now are the kind of things you'd you'd probably expect for somebody of his character uh, would that be fair to say yeah i think so i think i think well i mean the, the more extreme accusations so the rapes i mean you wouldn't um you wouldn't necessarily expect that of, of anyone i mean but he was always he was always he always had a reputation as kind of a sleaze and people kind of were willing to look past it when it suited their kind of ideological agenda so you had you know russell brown was was you know initially just a comedian wasn't really political then around 2013 14 he started to use this word revolution a lot and uh pal around with people like owen jones for example who's who was at the time uh, still is like a prominent uh, left-wing columnist and he was kind of you know he was Russell Brown was also invited to guest edit the New Statesman he was taking on current affairs programs such as Newsnight I think he was on question time as well and he was kind of fated by left-wing kind of lovies if you like and I consider myself very much on the left but it just felt quite it just felt like revolutionist play and it also felt that people were willing to overlook the misogyny of Russell Brand. So, so you know, the, his his ex, Katy Perry, had had described him their relationship as abusive. Um, Danny Minogue, uh, the pop star Danny Minogue, had, had encountered him and I think had said in a 2006 interview that he was someone who, quote unquote, would not take no for an answer. Um, I think she literally like referred to him as a sexual predator, you know. Yeah, I mean, this this doesn't sound like someone you you necessarily want to bring into the progressive tent if you are, um, you know, if you are the New Statesman, for example, or if you are the Guardian. You know, he was he was regularly asked to write for the Guardian. Um, okay, can and... I just make a quick point about that? I suppose during his height of the sort of on the Corbynite, uh, you know, revolutionary left when he was being being embraced by the sort of Guardians, the New Statesmen, the Owen Jones of this world. If there was going to be a conspiracy to take him out because he was threatening the establishment surely that would have been the time rather than now yeah and i mean i don't really feel he was a threatening the establishment i mean he had a huge you know multi-million pound mansion in i think it's the hollywood hills at the time or Be beverly hills <laughs> and he wasn't offering to you know sell that and give the proceeds to the revolution it was it was as i say rev revolutionist play 
And, you know, today you see, now these allegations have come out, he's, he's been on a journey since 2013, 14, this decade. He's been on a journey and now he kind of associates with some of the people I would basically say fascist, fascist adjacent people. Not all of them, of course, um, but some of those people he associates with on the internet now. And they've come out to defend him for exactly the same reason as, as the people on the left did a decade ago, because he's, he's one of their ideological bedfellows now, so they're willing to look past the misogyny. All right, uh, Charlie, I assume like the rest of us, you were in front of the television to watch the dispatches uh, program on, on Russell Brand. Uh, and if so, did you find it especially compelling? Not particularly, no. I have to be honest with you all. I didn't find it. Uh, it, it didn't pull me in the way that I would think Channel 4 was hoping it might. Um, it's very easy, I find, for people to hide behind anonymity and then make a claim like this because you don't have to put your name to it or your face to it and you can say whatever you want and you're backed up by a massive massive organization like channel 4 and the times newspaper so in my mind if you are a female or a male but especially because it happens more to women if you have been the victim of something like this wouldn't it be more prudent to actually go to the police rather than journalists this is why i'm skeptical about when men are accused of sex crimes because the women that go to the journalists always are always considered brave, but they're not brave enough to go to the police. Why is that? The stigma of an accusation of sexual misconduct will stay with a man forever. Innocent or otherwise, it will stick. And that's the problem that I have with these types of things. Okay, I suppose that's a fairly made point. I mean, is there not an aspect of this? I mean, first of all, I, I would concede that false accusations of, of rape certainly do happen and and are uh, and stigmatizing. But I mean, you say that it's easy to stay anonymous and make accusations, and I, I would assume that's actually correct in a lot of situations. But when it comes to sexual assault, is there not a sort of fear from these women that they won't be believed, as kind of you've just kind of floated because they're anonymous? Maybe they're feeling the system won't take this through to its logical conclusion of justification because it is so hard to get convictions for or maybe they'd fear you know reprisals from Roy russell brand's incredibly passionate loyal fan base things like that and i think as we've seen in you know previous years you know media exposés on the behavior of certain high profile men have actually led to sort of criminal proceedings is there not an aspect of that to consider you're absolutely right on the considerations there because you mentioned something about the system not working in the women's favor if they come out well which system benefits them the police or journalism in my view the benefit would be to go down the legal route and then get the justice that you so seek and you mentioned that the media have uncovered sexual allegations of other celebrities and that have led that has led to convictions of those people but there are many instances where the media will sensationalize a story beyond any consideration of innocence and there have been men that have been put on trial, whether it be legal or the media, that have been found to be not guilty. And I can give you a couple of examples. Cliff Richard, the BBC were waiting outside his house before the police even turned up to sensationally break that news. He was found innocent. And a controversial figure, which we all have an opinion about, is Michael Jackson, probably one of the most famous people ever to walk the earth. He was accused twice of being a paedophile and he was found not guilty in a court of law. But the question still remains. I mean, he, he wasn't. He paid he paid off the uh, the accusers to not take it to court. 
He paid. He, he, he was a multi-million pound. It was the biggest trial, James. He was found not guilty in that trial. Well, that was one of them, but there were other other accusations. He paid them off. I mean, there was a, net, a long Netflix documentary about this. He, uh, this he paid what, them off, but he didn't go to court because. Uh, this this well, is what I mean, I'm why would you say. do that? This is, okay. I know, I take, I take on board your point, and that's the point I'm trying to get across, is that he's such a controversial figure that we all have an opinion of because of the stigma. So the point that I'm leading to is that even if Russell Brand was taken to court and he was found not guilty, how many of us on this video tonight and people watching this will still have an opinion about his innocence or his guilt? So in my view, if a man is accused of sexual misconduct, he should not have his identity revealed until he is convicted of a crime. Would that not be fairer for everybody involved? Potentially, but I suppose, I mean, I would normally trust the justice process, but of course, uh, an innocent conviction in court doesn't necessarily mean the person didn't commit the crimes. I mean, you only have to think of, say, OJ Simpson, for, for example. But you make a great point that I want to put to James about this idea of how we square this circle between giving a voice to the people who have been victimized this way and destroying someone's entire career reputation via trial by the, by the media uh, based on some uh, allegations from anonymous people. How, how do we balance this, James? Is, is it a net good that this was printed or should it have been something that should have gone straight to the police and that's where it should have stayed? I think this, there are several points really to touch on. I mean, the idea that, 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 that if you speak, I have female friends who've been raped and sexually assaulted in the park. And I, I, I say, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know, did you go to the police? And it's, it's of the cases I know, it's, it's always been no. And then I, I kind of, you know, I ask why not. And on the one hand, it's because there, there is, there is, they felt that they have felt that there's a culture that they won't be believed. They have felt that there's, there would, there's been a culture within the police uh, where they wouldn't be believed. They felt like the process of going through that would be, be humiliating for them and traumatic to have to go through the process again. They've looked at the statistics of the number of convictions in court for rape, where it's essentially one person's word against another. And those just those convict, the rape convictions are incredibly low um, and have decided on balance that they want to move on with their life and, and not not put themselves through this. Um, and in terms of the 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 dispatches film, um, I've I've made a documentary with with Hard Cash Productions, who who made who produced this film for Channel Four before, and they are incredibly thorough in terms of who they put up in front of camera for interview, and that's why the, one of the reasons why this documentary and this uh, Sunday Times investigation has been in the works for four years. It's not something that's been just thrown out there like like I, I agree some tabloid newspapers do. They throw out these these accusations against people, and they do have the potential to to ruin their lives and particularly when those accusations involve children so so you know there have have been uh moral panics in the past i think about uh pedophiles um very well satirized by brass eye um in the past but but i don't think that i mean when i when i've made a doc, when i've made documentaries it's been it's it's incredibly hard to get people to 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 go on camera at all um and I can't imagine how hard it is to get someone to go on camera and talk about a traumatic event. So, so okay, being James, I just, just like, sorry, I just, that, that's a great point. I'll, I'll definitely come back to you on that. I just want to bring Rebecca in because she's been sat there patiently observing and listening. And you, James, actually said something really interesting that I'd like to get Rebecca's insight on. And it's this idea of a lot of the time it comes down to their word versus his or his versus theirs, etc. Now, does that sort of scenario benefit a narcissist rebecca someone who's largely manipulative and charismatic the fact that it's their word versus theirs uh, 
Absolutely not. And I and, and just going back to what Charlie said as well, when you go to negotiate with a narcissist, you you and, and I mean any kind of a person who has this sort of mentality, you know, who's entitled, who feels shameless, who had no boundaries, who fe feels like you know, it was mine to take in the first place. First of all, when you talk about a fair stage, fair for who? Fair for wh in what way? And second of all, I, I know with all of the negotiations that I've been involved with, you have to have some sort of leverage. What leverage would this person have to negotiate with if they just said, hey, I want to come to you. I want to settle. I want a deal. They'd have been like, go away. It never happened. Goodbye. Bye-bye. I mean, where would this person have any kind of entree to have any sort of conversation whatsoever unless they were potentially going to be exposing them? Because when you're dealing with a narcissist, their image, that, that diamond level supply that I was talking about before, how they look to the world, that's everything. And they will protect and defend that at any cost. And so that image is what is more important to them to protect than anything else. And so when you are going to negotiate with them, having that threat of, of, of their image is, is everything. And so just going to them and saying, Hey, let's settle something. Let's you know, you, you know, let's have a conversation about this is, is fantasy land. That's not going to happen. In what world would that ever happen if an accuser comes forward? I mean, and then you're, you know, going to the, the authorities when you're talking about somebody who was, you know, 16 years old and scared and potentially sexually assaulted. And, you know, and you're talking about a celebrity who might have done it and, and asking the authorities to believe her and where she was, you know, in a mental state that was potentially, who knows, it, it, you know, it's, there's so much involved with that. And why does it always have to go back to the victim should have done this and she should have done this and she should have, it's always back to her and her behavior. And, and again, this Darvo thing of reverse victim offender of smearing her, smearing her, smearing her. And then, and then it's like back onto this, well, what's fair? Well, what would be fair? You know, I mean, I just I, ask, Rebecca, is your mobile phone near your microphone at all? It sounds like someone's very keen to get hold of you. Can you oh, I that? don't think so. Yeah, both somebody's. I'll find you. I'll find you. Yeah, I know. Well, it's my. It's on. It's on by. Uh, oh. satellite, so it shouldn't be. Uh, that's okay. But, okay, but, that's a fair point. Uh, I'm just want to bring Charlie back in on something because he he has made a good point that true or false uh, or found out guilty or not guilty in a court of law these things essentially end a person's career you look at somebody like kevin spacey for instance completely rejected from the mainstream now he was at the top of his game netflix number one tv show starring in ridley scott movies and all that went away because of some public allegations that he was found and cleared of as uh, not guilty in the courts now he will never get his career back in any similar sense i would imagine uh 
With Russell Brand, however, it seems like he's been outside of the quote-unquote mainstream for a while now. He, he took a crack at it, couldn't make it, and sort of self-styled himself as sort of an alternative commentator. Uh, will this affect his bottom line in that sense at all, Charlie? The fact that he can just say I, I was right all along and they were just coming for me because I was telling the truths. Uh, is this over for him or is it just only emboldened his fan base? I think it probably is over for him. Uh, for what he wanted to achieve. I mean, the YouTube stuff has gone. Apparently that, I mean, looking at what YouTube do to other people that they get rid of, they don't typically invite people back. So that might be over for him on that front. But I think that it will embolden his fans when they say, when he says, you know, this is a, a mainstream media takedown of me because I'm talking about the issues that the mainstream don't want me to talk about. I think it will embolden those kinds of people. I'm not entirely convinced that is the case. But I do see why they would think it, because it does look very much like it's been done in an orchestrated way. And we've seen this already. I mean, earlier on this year, you had the suspension and deletion of um, Andrew Tate from social media, who was done in the same way. You know, it was, it was the kind of... It was He's done. been officially charged with criminal activity, though, hasn't he? He's facing charges. You, you, are, you are correct. He has been officially charged, but he's not guilty yet. He's not been found sure. guilty yet. So this is this is where my my line is. I'm not defending anybody. What I'm just trying to get to the bottom of is where do you actually draw the line at fairness? And and Rebecca, you were talking about how you know I get the impression you don't particularly agree with people saying, well, what did the girl do? They should have done this and they should have done that. When you have allegations of this nature, you can't really get much worse than this, other than you know abusing children or murder. I don't think there's anything worse that you can do apart from this in that in that in that vein. So when you say, is it fair on to put the blame on the girl? It's not putting blame on the girl, but if you want to come forward at all, surely the right thing to do is go down the legal route. It's the only way. You can't go to a journalist 10 years later and say, Oh, something happened to me, but you didn't go to the police. For me, that's a massive red flag. Just want to ask something of James that I, I noticed and really um identified within his latest Substack piece. And it's this idea that many of us went into lockdown and, and then emerged not long after having spent too much time on, on YouTube, full-blown conspiracy theorist about so many things. And that's an observation I've had uh, with various people who I would have formerly considered rather sensible. And I was just wondering if it, if it concerns you at all, James, the fact that as soon as this story broke um, to the world, Elon Musk, without having seen a frame of the investigation, I believe, took to Twitter a platform he owns uh, and regulates to openly state that he thinks this is a targeted, coordinated smear piece on Russell Brand. Is it, is it concerning to you that someone so powerful with so much influence can openly be of that, that sort of conspiratorial mindset without having a single piece of information? Yeah, I mean, what concerns me, I suppose, is it's it's there's a it's a very confused idea of where power actually lies in society. So you have Elon Musk, who's one of the very richest men in the world. I don't know if he is the actually the richest man still in the world, who has the power to, you know, as we were reading about just a few weeks ago, turn off the Starlink system that you, the United States Army is using in in Ukraine. Um, and yet he believes he seems he appears to believe in this kind of matrix like uh, conspiracy to take people down. I think um, I think COVID, for example, um, I think you know lockdown was was pretty traumatic and difficult for everyone. It was not something that I would ever wish to go through uh, again. And I think yeah, we we were all spending more time on the internet. And I think you know I'm a believer in Occam's razor. I think the most obvious and simple explanation is 
usually the the one that's true. Um, but I think it can be more comforting sometimes to, especially during COVID. I mean, the scariest part was that it kind of makes you feel so small and insignificant as a human being that there could be this pathogen that can just sweep along and we're kind of we're so vulnerable to it and society is so vulnerable to something like that. Whereas it's almost more comforting to think that actually it's just a few of these bad people who are controlling everything, pulling the strings. And if we just do something about them and if we just get together and depose them, everything will kind of be okay. Um, I think that can be, um, that, that kind of simplistic uh, conspiratorial worldview can be a comfort um, in the same way that some of the old fashioned ideology, ideologies like uh, say, you know, I, I was, when I was, I went through a communist phase as a teenager and it's very, it was kind of comforting to see the world in these very simple black and white binaries. Um, whereas when you kind of grow up, you, uh, you, you, you hopefully your, your thinking becomes a bit more sophisticated. That's a, that's a great point, comrade. Uh, Rebecca, uh, is it possible for someone of Russell Brand's public status and the things that have now been spread across the world about him in reputable news magazines, sorry, news sources, uh, documentaries, etc., is it possible for him to get fair due process now, or has that been completely tainted by the method by which these allegations have, have come about? I mean, I'd like, I'd like to hope so. You know, I think that everybody's going to have an opinion. Like we're all sitting here having an opinion, right? I mean, you know, I, I would like to hope that, you know, as a lawyer myself and having litigated for a long time and, you know, and I, I have my own uh, book and YouTube channel and all of that, you know, I, I, so I like to talk about these things and I like to think that justice will continue to be served, that we have you know, processes in your country, processes in, 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 in ours that will look at evidence. And I, you know, I, I like to tell clients all the time, look at evidence, listen to what's being heard, listen to what's being said, and, and let's figure out what's actually happening there. And let's hope that, that, you know, we do come down to the truth and find out what actually is going on. Well, I hope. Just just to put my tinfoil hat on for a second, Rebecca, would it be advantageous for a narcissist to attempt to get slightly ahead of the game if, for instance, they suspected some rather serious allegations were coming down the hill? Would it make sense for them to sort of, you know, spread, spread this idea of they were a sex addict and very promiscuous and had lots of problems, but they're over it now? They were, you know, they're previously a womanizer, et cetera, and kind of, but you know, put this idea of plausible deniability out uh, and then kind of imply people are out to get them because of their content for knowing full well these accusations were coming down the line does that fit into the sort of davo model you were putting forward before a hundred percent a hundred percent sure especially if you're really smart which i know that he is i mean he i actually think that he's a really brilliant guy i mean if you've ever read uh, read any of his writings or uh you know anything that he's said or done i think that he's actually a very very brilliant person but I'm not saying that he manipulated this whole thing because he knew this was coming down the pike. I think that might be, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 that I think that might be stretching it a bit, but you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, just going back to your question from before, I do hope that, you know, that the court system does what it's supposed to do and find and gets to the heart of what, is actually happening. Charlie, do you think he has any hope of a, of a fair trial now? And I suppose a second part to that question would be, 
I know these are like quite sort of like a, a handful of anonymous allegations mm-hmm. now, but typically when somebody's exposed in this way, a lot more people feel emboldened to come forward. Uh, is there a limit to you uh, of people coming forward, perhaps where you'd say, actually, I think there's probably more to this than just, you know, allegation. Uh, so I suppose that's a, a two-parter. No, I, don't, I don't think there's a limit. If, if there's genuine accusation, then there should be genuine police inquiry. What we have with the British media that have launched this story, I suppose, or exposed this story, is the sensationalism of it all, that you don't see against people that have been accused of similar offences even earlier this year. You had the Philip Schofield scandal, you've had the Hugh Edwards scandal. Both of those guys were given a pretty fair uh, shake, in my opinion, compared to what we're seeing today. Because when Philip Schofield came out as gay, he was brave and celebrated despite the fact that he'd been lying to his wife and the fact that ITV knew about the boy that he's been seeing since. And then but you've the, got none of those things were considered a sort of criminal activity. Isn't the main bullet point in the brand <laughs> stuff is that it's very serious. As a, ter- yeah, as a parent, rape, isn't it? He's accused of rape. Uh, indeed, indeed, he is. But the, what you, the problem that I have with some of these stories is, is that you've got two men who were doing something inappropriate. What Philip Schofield was doing, I'm not going to say what he did was illegal because I'll get in trouble. But if you add up the timeline of all the things that was going on with Philip Schofield, to me, that looks very, very suspect. Then you look at Hugh Edwards and then you see that there's a 61-year-old man sexting a a, a teenage boy for money behind his wife's back. Did those guys get treated as badly, morally speaking, as Russell has been? Now, I understand there's a different accusation on the table. But the point is, is that Hugh Edwards and Philip Schofield don't share political views, and I can assume they're probably more left-leaning. So when you have Russell Brand already being banded around the internet as a conspiracy theorist, according to the mainstream news, it plays into the into the rhetoric that they're picking on me because I'm exposing stuff they don't want exposed. So from my perspective, he, he is pretty much knackered. But the point that I'm trying to make is that you don't get a fair hearing if you don't have the right kind of opinions. James, is there a double standard at play here in reference to Schofield and, and Hugh Evans? And, and is the label conspiracy theorist uh, uh, an accurate approximation of Russell Brand's content? I mean, I don't I don't really accept the idea that... that well, I, I do think that, that what Philip Schofield did, for example, was not, a, was not a good look. You know, it's not something that I think was... He, I don't think he came out of that particularly well. But I, but I think the idea that the media is has historically been uh, had, has historically given better treatment to you know married gay men than it has to promiscuous straight uh, super famous comedians. I, I just don't think that really stands up. I think if anything, the media has historically been much harder on people like Philip Schofield than it has on Russell Brand, and I think that's one of the reasons why Russell Brand could get away with what he did for so long because there wasn't that scrutiny. And I think this idea that he's, I mean, is how I, I don't really buy the idea that he is a threat to to the establishment. If you have the richest man in the world or one of the richest men in the world rallying behind him and saying that, you know, this is that he, he doesn't believe the accusations. I think before he's even watched the documentary, like what kind of threat to power is this, this Russell Brand? Um, his conspiracies, they tend to be on things, you know, the COVID vaccine. Um, the war in Ukraine, he takes a very pro-Russian line. I mean, this is this is not a threat to power if we define power as, as the imperial Russian power, for example. Um, I don't think that this is really um, that this really stands up. I mean, we can speculate that he's this 
um, that everyone in power is terrified of Russell Brand. But I don't think that's really true. I think that journalists are being brought these stories of there have been journalists have been brought these stories of someone who made huge amounts of money, received huge amounts of adulation over almost 20 years in the, in the British media. And, you know, it, it's, it's something has to be some people wanted to speak out about that because the times have changed since the early 2000s when he, he first appeared on the scene and this behaviour was considered more acceptable. One one last quick thing I'll ask James because it, it pertains directly to your your uh, piece and I've noticed you you include a lot of historic comments from Brand and a lot of clips are doing the rounds on Twitter now of problematic jokes etc which do seem rather you know uh, cringy in the context of the headlines now but are we are we reaching a point now where we we sort of getting to the point where we're penalising jokes now from a very conservative literalist standpoint I mean it, could it just be that he's joking about these things and creating a persona and doesn't really behave in a sort of sexually deviant way yeah I mean I I, I, I I'm not someone who's in favour of, of cancellation of people um, for, for comedy for example I think everything should can be potentially the subject of a joke. And I'm also, I also have concerns about this idea that platforms like YouTube can de effectively demonetize people or just, or cancel them based on their political views. This is a bit of a form, this is a, almost a soft totalitarianism where as in the former Soviet Union, you can just, you can destroy someone's ability to earn an income uh, because of their political beliefs. And I, I don't, I, that, that makes me very nervous. And the fact that people say, the fact that you have people on the left who will justify this and say, well, a private company can do what it likes. Well, I was always brought up as a on the left to believe that private companies shouldn't be able to just do whatever they like, that they should be should be reined in in, in some way. Um, I don't think oh, that, that this is a whole new kettle of fish that we could spend hours on for yeah, sure, yeah. James. But I just want to get uh, Rebecca in uh, on what she thinks of the, you know, being able to completely destroy someone's revenue streams based on allegations that have not reached a sort of court process. Oh, I definitely don't agree with that. I mean, that's a whole fair press conversation. I mean, I, but you know, I guess it's a, if, if I, it, I guess it depends on if, if it's a privately held uh, company or a publicly held company or whatever, but I believe in, in free press and, and free media and being able to, say what you you want to be able to say and so i definitely don't think that anybody should be um you know sh uh, their mouths should be closed because of any sort of allegations or whatever i don't okay. agree with that at all charlie if you can just sum up your closing thoughts in uh, the most eloquent way possible in 50 seconds or less that'd be wonderful eloquently putting it i would just like to see this play out in court if, if anything, I mean, I don't I don't enjoy seeing these kinds of things because I think it puts all men at risk of accusation without trial. And like I said, when I first came on the show, I think that if you are going to accuse a man of a crime, he shouldn't be outed unless he's been convicted of it. And I'll stand by that comment. OK, thank you for that. Maybe you can all just quickly one by one, let, every, let our audience know where they can find more of your work, James. Uh, you can find my Substack www.jamesbloodworth.com and I'm on Twitter at j underscore bloodworth. Brilliant. And uh, Rebecca, where, where can people find more of your work? Yes. So I have a brand new book, Slay the Bully, How to Negotiate with a Narcissist and Win. I would love for people to join me at my launch, my live launch that's coming up, slaythebullylaunch.com or my YouTube channel, which is at Rebecca Zung ESQ. 
And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Zung as well. So Charlie, Charlie, where can we find more of you? Thank you. If you go to charliesansom.com, everything about me is there. Thank you for the unreasonably reasonable conversation from you all. It was, it was great to get all the different perspectives and viewpoints. So thank you very much for coming on to speak to us. I really appreciate it. Thank, thank you so much. It was really good. Take thank care. You.